Welcome to the Upstream Public Health Podcast, Thinking Upstream, where we talk about the prevention issues of the day. Now, your host, Jill Hudson. Welcome, everyone. I'm so happy to be here today talking about a really important subject nationally and here in Oregon. And mostly I'm happy because I have the most fabulous guest joining us today. I'm here with Mimi McDonald. Um, Mimi, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. So I'm Dr. Mimi McDonald. I live out in the Dalles in the beautiful Columbia River Gorge, and I am the health officer for the North Central Public Health District which is the public health district that serves Wasco, Sherman, and Gillum County. So uh, let's start let's, let's start with some basics. What does a health officer do? Oh, that's actually probably a little bit of a tricky question. <laughs> <laughs> I get to do a lot of everything, but uh, in general, I oversee the policies and some of the work that happens. So in case there's an outbreak of influenza or salmonella or things like that in your neck of the woods and health officers help out with things like that. Um, I also oversee uh, our reproductive health program, very important. Um, and I'm very much involved with our health promotion and chronic disease prevention efforts. Okay, yeah, so keeping people healthy. Yep, that's the, that's the idea. <laughs> And uh, you're based out of the Dalles, and you live in the Dalles. Mm -hmm. So is the Dalles, Oregon, one of the best-kept secrets in America or uh, Yes, absolutely. You just have to promise not to tell anyone. <laughs> we'll just All keep right. it between us. Please. <laughs> no, I love it. I live on Cherry Heights Road where there are cherry orchards, and the only traffic happens during harvest when you might get behind a tractor. Nice. I know everyone nice. in Portland is now jealous. <laughs> So Mimi, you've been working on specific policies to promote healthy weight in the gorge. Why is that a priority for the North Central region? Well, as in many areas, um, at elementary schools, heights and weights have been collected um, over the years. But in 2014, we undertook data collection at the three largest public elementary schools in Wasco County. And what we found was a higher than state and also a higher than national average of children who are overweight or obese. Wow. So that would be children who are above the 85th percentile for their age and gender. Um, so, of course... Wait, were you surprised? Well... Because when I think of the Dells, I might think, mm -hmm. oh, or the, you know, the, the areas that we're talking about, I might think that there's a lot of kind of outdoorsy people who are there because they like to windsurf or... So were you surprised? I've never thought of the region as being particularly unhealthy. Absolutely. Well, um, that is the sort of outdoorsy aspect of our region is definitely one part of it. There's a large percentage of our population who are impoverished. Um, and we know, unfortunately, that overweight and obesity are directly connected with things like poverty and certain ethnic minorities are more susceptible and um, even other things actually just living in a rural area or a frontier area makes it more likely that your population wow. um, will have be impacted more by overweight and obesity. So as I mentioned, so we started out in 2014 um, and kind of rallied the troops uh, as it were around um, what we found out. So really tried to uh, have our local school district involved and other um, health agencies and uh, civic organizations 
Um, we repeated the study in 2017 and found no difference, which in mm. some ways is good. It didn't get worse, but it certainly didn't get better. And then again, this year in 2019, we actually reached out to Hood River County um, and measured heights and weights of five elementary schools. And again, Hood River County, people usually think of windsurfers, yeah. things like that. But again, what we've found is that higher than uh, state and national averages of children who are overweight and obese and absolutely trending with people who are further away from the city, people who have less access um, to physical activity or perhaps nutritious foods are certainly more affected. Okay. All right. Um, so I know that you worked on some specific programs, um, Fit in the Gorge and Step It Up. Um, how are those programs going? Yeah, they are actually going great. And I think one thing that is uh, nice about the type of work that we do is sometimes when one agency uh, has a project and maybe the funding ends, another one steps in and continues. So for our Step It Up, which not surprisingly has to do with walking, we had walking uh, school buses, uh, walking kids to school once a month. And that actually has been taken on by our friends at Blue Zones, the Dalles. And so now we have... Uh, walking school buses that happen once a week. So that's fantastic. Um, Fit in the Gorge actually started out as Fit in Wasco County. So again, broad coalition of uh, agencies and people who are interested in promoting health. And it has expanded into Hood River County and have gotten more providers on board, um, more agencies. So um, people are very interested in doing this type of work. When I looked at Fit in the Gorge a couple of years ago uh, as a case study, I was really impressed with the work that the coalition was doing around uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that we know is that it is very challenging for people to have access to fresh fruits and vegetables, and certainly cost is an issue. So with the assistance of agencies like Gorge Grown, which is a local uh, food coalition, and funders such as Providence Hospital or the Columbia Gorge CCO, we've been able to uh, put together, and I, I say we, but I mean different community partners have been able to put together a program that's called VeggieRx, where um, individuals or families are actually given vouchers that can be used to purchase fruits and vegetables. Sometimes it's at farmer's markets and sometimes it's at uh, grocery stores. And it's been a tremendous success, uh, not just in our counties, but uh, in Sherman, Gillum, Wheeler County as well. Excellent. Awesome. Um, so these programs uh, sound really exciting um, and really important and engaging a lot of uh, organizations and individuals. And I have to say, uh, you and I worked a little to, to do some evaluation of these programs, and uh, I, I was truly inspired. Um, what else do you think it will take to uh, make a difference in overweight and obesity in Oregon? Like, if you had a magic wand, <laughs> a, magic, a magic program wand, a magic policy wand. Yes, I think about this often. Almost every day. Um, I've been working on the magic wand, but still waiting. Um, so I think what probably the first thing that I would like to do is to change um, the perception that many people have that somehow being overweight or obese is a character flaw or that you're a bad parent. Um, 
and to recognize that what has been happening to ourselves and to our children truly is a product of the environment that we are living in. Um, and not to be too drastic, but it is really a toxic food environment. And then if you throw in things like um, access to screen time, that is a whole new thing that has just come up, you know, in the last 10 years really for children growing up. Um, I think if we were able, if people could wrap their heads around that and really truly believe that, then I think that would be a great first step and then we would all do a better job of working towards changing that environment. So yeah. that would be step one. Yeah. Um, and then the next steps, we have, um, it certainly policies um, would play a big role because as we know, um, it is difficult to make large sweeping changes um, one small place at a time. And so if we were be able to yeah. work on statewide policies that have things to do with, oh, um, a good example is maybe walking to school. Mm -hmm. So it used to be that 1969, 88% um, of children who lived within a mile of school walked or biked to get there. Then in 2009, that number was had dropped down to 35%. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the reasons parents don't want their children walking to school have to do with safety, mm -hmm. traffic issues. Mm -hmm. um, and so if we had a policy and a way to fund the policies, for example, that within a mile of school, already there's the policy that um, there's no uh, school busing. But if there's a policy, there indeed need to be sidewalks mm -hmm. within a yeah. mile of all of these yeah. schools and very, very rigorous safety standards, that would change things. So yeah. that's just one small piece of it, but I think it sort of highlights um, the ways in which we have to think about it um, and not just, well, you just have to tell people. Eat you less. Know. <laughs> eat, less. eat less. And or exercise more, please. Yeah. Which, yeah. great advice, not a problem usually, but it's um, clearly not sufficient. Right, yeah. And um, before we go... Before we go any further, you and I uh, are talking about overweight and obesity, uh, maybe assuming that everyone knows what's the problem. What's the big deal? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe I forgot about my magic wand again, but if I were to get it out again, <laughs> I would absolutely mention that it really has nothing to do. The problem is not how people look, obviously. It's that, unfortunately, some carrying that extra weight carries health risks with it too. And my area of expertise and focus tends to be in childhood overweight and obesity, but obviously it carries on um, into adulthood and people have a higher risk. But even children have higher rates of complications from being overweight. So for example, uh, asthma rates are higher in children who are overweight or obese and certainly things like joint issues and very sadly, some behavioral health issues too. Kids who are carrying extra weight have higher weights of depression. And um, it's, it is uh, quite sad. And I feel like it's something that we as a society or the people who are looking after these children really need to do a better job to improve the health of our kids so they don't then go on to develop more chronic problems like hypertension or diabetes or actually even increased risk of several different types of cancers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, excellent. 
So we've been working uh, for you and I and some other <laughs> awesome people for at least a year, um, uh, thinking about and talking about a statewide obesity, overweight prevention coalition. Um, and uh, I, I guess I've never really asked you individually, personally, uh, why do you think a statewide coalition is necessary at this time? Yeah, I, well, I, I think, as I mentioned, I think that the issues that need to be addressed um, to really get at some of these root causes have to be addressed um, at a state or even national level. Um, and it will really, the kind of coordination to make the changes that we need, such as I mentioned, you know, developing sidewalks or developing school nutrition plans that truly um, provide healthy food for our children who um, partake in those programs. Um, that that can't happen, you know, neighborhood by neighborhood or even city by city or county by county. It needs um, definitely uh, different areas of expertise, different areas of focus um, that we need to all work together um, and make it a priority. So I feel like that's um, to make the big changes, the big changes that we need. We need to all be working together and all across the state too to keep track of. Um, uh, what is working in some areas, and then to kind of pool our resources or have our collective impact that we like so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if there's one thing that that strikes me about obesity is it's not, absolutely not going to get better by itself. Yeah. Like, there's no secular trend. There's nothing in the works, even though as a nation we have been investing in being slimmer as a consumer base, we have been invest investing billions of dollars, billions upon billions of dollars. As a nation, our obesity rates continue to climb. And, and now we're happy if we have a year where we haven't seen an incline right. in obesity rates. We're happy if they're just leveling off. So I, I really echo what you're saying is, we do need some some statewide, some big solutions, some of the best thinking that can happen through a group of people getting together to really be creative and courageous around this issue. So um, that's part of what we're doing with this podcast is talking about a coalition that's forming right now uh, called Healthy Active Oregon. And a lot of people will have heard, it, heard about it before. Um, and a lot of people... Uh, will not have heard about Healthy Active Oregon before. So let's talk about the coalition a little bit. Who should be a part of this coalition? Well, of course, I think everyone should be a part of this coalition. <laughs> um, but I think um, specifically, not only, of course, are it people who are interested in health care, um, but I think uh, we need to interest other agencies and organizations as well. Um, I, I would say that uh, in terms of education, I think our um, compatriots in education are clearly interested in this subject and really have been um, uh, working hard to find solutions. They also obviously have a lot of constraints in terms of uh, funding and their ability to create change. But um, so, you know, we kind of think about education and health, but we need to 
involve our city planners and we need to involve developers and we need to absolutely hear from the people who are affected most. So the people who um, are living in poverty and who those uh, ethnic minorities, as I mentioned, who are more impacted by this. Uh, people who live in rural areas, it's um, it can be a big challenge um, to uh, find things for your kids to participate in and feel safe about that. So we really... Uh, we need to extend the invitation far and wide and to get people thinking, as I mentioned, thinking about this issue um, in a different way and not so much on the individual level, but on a collective and a group level. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about what's next for the coalition. Uh, the uh, Healthy Active Oregon will have its... Uh, first annual meeting and obesity prevention summit on September 25, 2019 in the Portland area. So any of our listeners who are interested in um, becoming a member of the coalition and working with us to achieve this amazing, creative, and courageous uh, vision that the coalition leadership has set forth, should go to our website at healthyactiveoregon.org and get more information there. If you're listening to this podcast after uh, September 25 and want to uh, get involved, again, go to our website at healthyactiveoregon.org to get more information there. Uh, we really want to have a statewide conversation and we want to create a space for uh, agencies and individuals uh, to pool resources, human resources, financial resources, to really tackle this issue um, in our state. So Mimi, do you have anything else to add before we wrap up today? Yes, thank you. I, I do think it's exciting. Um, I love how all the individuals and agencies are getting together um, to do this important work and also to um, be able to work together and have this understanding that um, it's not an individual slog and combat um, some of the external forces that are against us. I'm not sure if I can say things like Cinnabon, but you get the drift. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there are truly market forces that are um, pushing our society away from healthier choices and towards um, things that certainly are easier but are not healthy. And we have all kinds of labor-saving devices and screens uh, that keep people from being active. So I think really changing the focus from an individual willpower level um, to the recognition that we really do need to work together to change our environment um, for us, for our children, for our children's children. Um, I find that an exciting time. And yay, Oregon, always <laughs> on the forefront. Well, thank you so much. And I have to say, I couldn't agree more. Um, not surprisingly, uh, that we have we have a unique opportunity here. And I've been so encouraged by the agencies and individuals that have been a part of this process to this point. And we are looking forward to uh, really, really um, making a difference. And I know we can do it. I think it'll take 
I think it'll, it's really going to take a lot of collaboration and hard work, but I know we can do it. I also don't think we have a choice. I agree. Thanks, Mimi. Absolutely. Pleasure. This has been the Upstream Public Health Podcast. Thinking Upstream. Please visit us at upstreampublichealth.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash upstreampublichealth.